Welcome to Linda's Corner, a podcast created to inspire hope, increase joy, and motivate positive change. Hi, my name is Linda Bjork. I'm an author, teacher, speaker, blogger, and founder and executive director of Hope for Healing, which is a nonprofit charity designed to help alleviate symptoms of depression and anxiety, relieve stress, build confidence and self esteem, and heal relationships. You can learn more by visiting our website at hopeforhealingfoundation.org. For today's episode, I'm going to share a segment from one of my books called Crushed. If you're joining us for the first time, I would suggest that you start at the first podcast, since stories tend to make more sense when you read them, or listen to them, in order from the beginning to the end. Chapter 12, The Retreat, Day 2 Good morning, Suzanne called merrily to the assembling ladies. Let's get some positive energy in the room with some upbeat music. She found a song on her phone and turned it on. I have learned that music is a powerful tool to bring positive energy into our lives, and I've been trying to use it more. I've also learned that dancing and moving around is an awesome tool to give us a boost of positive energy. I used to not be able to raise my arms above the level of my head because that was way out of my comfort zone, and I just couldn't do it. She raised her hand with a bent elbow in a timid gesture to demonstrate. Now I can reach out and stretch all the way. She reached her outstretched arms toward the ceiling. I never used to dance, but I've learned it's an easy tool I can use any time and in any situation to create the energy I'm seeking. Different types of music are better suited to different types of activities. If I need some energy to be motivated to clean my house, I need bouncy, upbeat music playing. If I need to study, think, or be calm, then gentle music is more appropriate. Music is a powerful tool, and I'm learning to love it and to incorporate it in my life. I used to love to dance. I frequently played music and danced around while doing the kitchen chores. It enlivens the mundane into something much more enjoyable. I even had a playlist labeled Saturday Chores with fun, bouncy songs to help us get moving. My grown kids tell me that they still associate certain songs with doing their chores. I hadn't felt much like dancing lately. I missed dancing. I missed wanting to dance. Okay, everybody get up and dance with me for one song and then we'll begin, Suzanne said. Whoa, that is not what I meant, I thought. I don't want to dance here in front of all these strangers. Suzanne picked a new song, and everybody rose from their seats. As the music began, we moved around awkwardly to the beat. I thought about Suzanne's comment about not being able to raise her arms above her head, and I wondered if I could do it. I tried raising my arms high above me. Although I was physically capable of doing that, it was way too awkward, and I quickly put them down again. With elbows bent at my side and my feet moving in a rhythmic side-together, side-together motion, I thought of the movie Hitch and Will Smith instructing, This is where you live, right here, elbows six inches from the waist, 90-degree angle. A single song can seem very, very long 
when you're waiting for it to end. But I have to admit that the upbeat song and moving around did help to increase the positive energy in the room. Morning is an important time to increase the positive energy so that we can use it throughout the day, Suzanne began. Some natural energy boosters are music, exercise, nature, and a spiritual boost through prayer, meditation, or reading scriptures. A positive morning routine can give you energy and set the tone for the day. Today, we're going to begin by discussing the topic of relationships, she said. She drew an image on the board. It was a repeat of an image that she had drawn the day before, a cycle of words in circles that read thoughts, feelings, actions, results. Our thoughts determine our feelings. Our feelings lead to our actions. Our actions lead to our results, she reviewed. Remember that the points on the cycle where we have control are our thoughts and our actions. These are the points of power. If we want to change our results or experience with life, we must change either our thoughts or our actions, and changing both is even better. This is true in every aspect of our lives, and particularly in our relationships. When you're interacting with a person, it's important to be present. That means that we stop being busy for a little while and focus on the person, she said. This has been a difficult change for me. I always want to be busy and look like I'm accomplishing something. I felt that I can listen to somebody and do dishes at the same time and maybe make a mental grocery list and think about all the things I needed to accomplish that day. I was there while they were talking. I listened. I did a good job, right? I may have been there physically, but the person talking to me probably didn't feel like I was listening or that they were more important than all the other things I had on my mind. I'm learning that busyness is not a badge of honor. Also, eye contact is very important while listening, she continued. This shows the other person that you are present and interested in what they have to say. Okay, next we're going to talk about the four energy types, air, water, fire, and earth. I used to think that everybody thought about things the same way that I do. I figured all people value the same things that I value. When I understood the different energy types, it opened my eyes, and I could see why my husband and children did the things that they did. I had a better understanding of their motivation and their point of view, Suzanne said. Each energy type naturally comes with many amazing gifts and strengths. These gifts enrich our own lives, and when combined with those we bump into, we complement and complete each other to make things even better. As everything has its opposite, each energy type also comes with natural weaknesses. These are the areas we know to be aware of and to work to improve within ourselves, she said. People with the air energy type are motivated by fun. These people are the life of the party. They are creative and full of new ideas. However, they're not usually good at sticking to tasks. They often lose interest at completing those ideas because they're already on to the next new idea. People with the water energy type are motivated by connection. 
They love comfort. They can see possibilities and are often very good at detail work. However, they may have a hard time making decisions and tend to worry, she said. Sometimes they may suffer from paralysis by analysis. People with a fire energy type are motivated by results. These are the people you can count on to get her done. They love to accomplish things and make great leaders. However, they may be concentrating on the task and not be considerate of the other people involved. Also, sometimes they don't plan very well, they just act. They tend to go, ready, fire, aim, rather than ready, aim, fire, she continued. People with the earth energy type are motivated by perfection. They are usually very good at seeing the whole picture. They can take any idea and see how to make it better, how to perfect it. They are analytical and like facts, numbers, and strategies. They see things as being very clearly right or wrong. However, these people tend to be stubborn as they are their own authority. Because they always think they're right, why would they budge? They can be critical and judgmental in their desire to perfect people and things. They are particularly hard on themselves, she said. This energy type describes me. My energy type is Earth. Oh, so that's where that comes from, I thought. Years ago, my children introduced me to a fabulous animated series called Avatar The Last Airbender by Nickelodeon. In this series, there are four nations, air, water, fire, and earth. The inhabitants of each nation have a special connection with their element, and some inhabitants have power over their associated element called bending. The inhabitants of each nation also tend to show some of the characteristics that Suzanne was describing. They are typified by the main characters. For example, Toph from the Earth Kingdom is very stubborn. Zuko from the Fire Nation is passionate, short-tempered, and driven by his cause. Aang, the Air Nomad, is primarily motivated by fun. Katara from the Water Tribe is often concerned about how people feel, and her brother Sokka takes care of the planning and details. As I've watched the shows and seen the interaction between the characters, I've often thought, Wow! I'm like Katara, and my husband is like Aang. In one episode, Sokka says, Look, I hate to be the wet blanket, but since Katara's busy, obviously implying that being the wet blanket is usually Katara's job. While this interaction is very funny, it also shows another aspect of the water energy type. I'm the one with a strong sense of duty who is ready to get back to work, while my husband wants to flit around and play. Guess which one of us is more fun at home? To be honest, I'm jealous of my husband. He's so fun and quirky and creative and the life of the party. And I'm a wet blanket. Next to him, I'll always be second-rate and invisible. Having a better understanding of energy types also helps me understand why I struggle feeling safe with my husband in all sorts of ways. When it comes to finances, he doesn't value stuff. 
He values fun and experience. The only thing you can take with you is experience, is pretty much his motto. I, on the other hand, want security. I want a plan. I want savings. When it comes to personal safety, I don't feel secure there either. My husband is very spontaneous. He doesn't like to plan. You just go and do it. And if things go wrong and you get stranded or something, that just adds to the adventure and the fun. Sometimes I wonder if I accidentally married Hagrid from Harry Potter. He's kind and well-meaning, but he has a different idea of safety than most people. For example, when we took a trip to Panama and the nearby San Blas Islands, Lewis was so excited to take me to see the places where he'd lived for two years as a young man. The glitz of the modern high-rise buildings in Panama City didn't interest him in the least. It wasn't until we made it to the slums with decrepit cinderblock houses and stray mongrel dogs that he got excited. I hope I get to show you the cockroaches and the giant cockroach-eating spiders. They're so fast you won't believe it, he called out gleefully. We stayed in a pup tent in sleeping bags on a tiny island with no electricity and no running water. It truly qualified as an adventure. I have to admit that it was a great trip, in part because we did not see the cockroaches and giant cockroach-eating spiders. Okay, so with this new information, I can see where he's coming from. He just wants to have fun. That's his nature. These are the gifts and the challenges of his energy type. But this new knowledge didn't magically change me. I still felt jealous and annoyed and unsafe. Why do we tend to marry our opposite? It's easy to look at another person and be jealous of their gifts, Suzanne said. Sometimes we might not recognize our own gifts and the contributions that we make. It takes all four energy types to create a balance. We need the creation, the details, the completion, and the perfection to make anything happen. Also, remember that just because something doesn't come naturally doesn't mean you can't have that gift. We can always aspire to what we admire rather than being jealous of another's gifts. If you're interested in learning more about energy types, there are several books available. I really enjoy the books written by Carol Tuttle. She wrote one called It's Just My Nature and another fun book called Dressing Your Truth this shows how to dress for your energy type. If we wear the color, patterns, and style that match our energy type, it sends a consistent message. But if we don't, then we send a conflicting message, and people naturally respond to it without even realizing it, Suzanne said. The first time I dressed my truth and wore a red dress in public, I was terrified that it was too bold and that I would look out of place. Instead, I received compliment after compliment, and no one mentioned the dress at all. They just said that I look great. I had been dressing in soft colors and shades to try to balance my bold nature, but it didn't work like I thought it would. It had the opposite effect than I'd hoped. 
Now I dress my truth. The way I look is consistent with my energy, and people tend to accept me as I am. I had to give away nearly all the clothes in my closet and start over. But now I love getting dressed in the morning, and I love the way that people treat me, she beamed. I can add my unsolicited testimonial that she did look great. She was bright, tailored, and professional. Those clothes would look horrible on me, I thought. I would disappear, and all you'd see is the clothes. I wonder if there's a style that would make me look good, too. I guess I better read the book. It might be worth a try. Okay, so, understanding our energy type and the energy types of the people around us are some of the tools that we can use to help us understand another person's point of view, Suzanne explained. And that leads us to our next topic, which is what to do when there are problems in relationships. Communication is far more challenging than merely speaking our mind, she said. I might say something that makes perfect sense to me, but another person might understand it completely different than what I intended. My mind wandered briefly to Shakespeare's plays, which are full of examples of people misunderstanding each other. In some cases, the misunderstandings create a comical situation, and in others, such as Othello, the misunderstandings in communication create tragic situations. In order to avoid our own tragic situations, we might want to step back and evaluate three things, Suzanne said. First is point of view. Try to see it from the other person's point of view. Consider what we talked about with energy types. What do you think motivated his or her words or actions? Take time to talk to each other and ask for clarification on how they're seeing it. As you do this, it brings greater understanding, which opens the door to find resolution. Second is miscommunication, she continued. Remember that he or she might not be interpreting your words the way you meant them, or vice versa. Take the time to clarify your words, not to drive your point home, but always with the intent to create understanding. The third part is analyzing how the first two things created the problem in the first place. Knowing this can help you eliminate future conflicts. My mind jumped back to Othello. If the characters had followed these steps, then Desdemona and Othello would have lived happily ever after, rather than both ending up dead. This could be useful stuff. As healthy, loving relationships are so crucial to our happiness and well-being, it would be very wise for each of us to do all we can to heal them, Suzanne said. Service is another very effective tool to not only heal relationships, but to strengthen our self-worth and create greater connections with others. Serve those you love and serve other people. When we serve others, we forget ourselves. And often, the things that were bothering us before somehow don't seem as important anymore. Service is healing. I felt a twinge of pain at her discourse on service. 
I used to love to serve because I knew it helped me forget myself and brought me joy. But I had come to believe that my service didn't make a difference, and my efforts were unwanted and unappreciated, and in some cases actually detrimental. I would like to be able to serve again. Another critical tool to healing relationships is forgiveness, Suzanne said. That can be a tough one, I thought. Like most people, I wanted justice. I'd like the other guy to come to me and say, I'm sorry, and show me evidence that they're trying to do better before I want to forgive them. Just giving blanket forgiveness seems like they're getting off easy. Suzanne continued, Forgiveness is inescapably intertwined with repentance, which means basically showing sorrow and regret for having done wrong. Many people don't want to do this because they figure it is all the other guy's fault. That's rarely the case, but even if it is, we can at least apologize and ask for forgiveness for our feelings toward them. Wow, I thought. Now I'm not only supposed to apologize, even if I don't think it's my fault. Now I'm supposed to ask for forgiveness as well? My unfarometer is going off. This is a tough pill to swallow. Why would I want to do this? Suzanne went on. That may seem counterintuitive and totally unfair to say that we need to forgive someone and apologize when they're the one who hurt us. But this isn't about them. It's about healing yourself. Let me explain it this way, she said. When a person hurts me, it is like he or she threw a harpoon into my heart, she said, drawing a stick figure illustration. As you know, a harpoon is like a barbed spear that is attached to a long rope. The barb in the harpoon makes it stay inside me and the rope creates an attachment to the other person. That harpoon will stay inside me until I take it out. And as long as that harpoon is inside me, it is also keeping me connected to the person who hurt me. If I remove the hook through forgiveness, it not only removes the harpoon from me, it also severs my connection to the other person. I'm not letting him off the hook. Instead, I'm letting me off the hook. That's an interesting perspective, I thought. I'm going to have to chew on that for a while before I'm ready to accept it, though. An excellent way to do this is through those complete conversations that we talked about yesterday, Suzanne said. It's very important to remember that the person that you're having this conversation with is not actually anywhere near you. You are by yourself. You might want to go outside or have a conversation while you're driving by yourself. A complete conversation has three separate parts. First, you invite the person's higher self to talk to you. The next step is to let them have it. You can yell or cry if you need to, but get it all out. Don't hold anything back. The objective is to get all that garbage out of you. Otherwise, you're still carrying it around and letting it affect your life. The final step is to apologize and say, will you please forgive me? That last step is very important. If you leave that part out, 
the complete conversation won't bring the healing you're after. Oh, I thought. So I get to apologize to the imagined higher self of the other person. I might be talking to a tree outside or the steering wheel as I'm driving or something like that. That won't be as bad as I was imagining before. I might be able to do this after all. Complete conversations are about recognizing and repenting of all those negative pent-up feelings we've had inside ourselves toward the other person, Suzanne said. Those feelings emanate from us, and the other person can feel them, whether or not we speak them out loud. These feelings fill us with negative energy that interferes with our happiness. Now, I want to invite you to participate in an activity that will strengthen your gift and ability to see the strengths and character traits in those around you, she said, as she handed out a piece of paper to each of us with an outline drawing of a person. This drawing represents you and who you are becoming. We're going to write on these papers, but you won't be writing about yourself. You will be writing on everybody else's papers. Pair up and go from one person to another looking into their eyes for a few seconds and see who they truly are. Then write a word or a phrase of a quality that you recognize. After you've written on their paper, then go to the next person and continue doing this until you've met with every person in the room. This is a silent activity. It will be done without talking to each other. This is not about what you say. This is about who you are. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this section of the book. The next section is available on the following podcast. Please subscribe to receive updates when new episodes are available. The book Crushed is available on Amazon. And the audiobook version will soon be available on Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. Again, my name is Linda Bjork. You can find more information by searching for Linda Bjork Hope for Healing, Linda Bjork Two Good Things, and Linda Bjork Innovative Joy. In closing, I'd like to leave you with an inspirational quote by Henry Nguyen. Joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. I hope that today you choose joy. See you next time on Linda's Corner.